Hey, there's another episode coming at you. Pastor Standing Firm. Today, we got a very special guest with us. She comes to us all the way from the Pacific Island country of Saipan. She's my wife, and she is on staff. She is the lead pastor of Living Water Community Church in Bolingbrook, Illinois. I'm excited about talking with her about truth and about what God is doing, but I want you to introduce yourself. Go ahead, Bianca. Tell our listeners who you are and a little bit about yourself. Well, there you go. I, I'm Bianca. I am Jeremiah's Jeremiah Stingle's wife, and we lead pastor together, and I'm excited to be here today. So thank you for having me on. Let's talk. Let's do it. So you are a pastor in 2022 Tell us about ministry right now in this season and and really kind of what's motivating your heart for this season, other than the obvious call of God, the word of God, Jesus, great commission, you know, all of the things that we know, but specifically what's motivating your heart because things in this time frame is very difficult. I think that the biggest thing that I'm discovering right now is how massively important it is to just be in the presence of the Father and get His motivation and His heart on a daily basis. This world's going crazy. There's all kinds of stuff happening here. There There are times where I'm like, is this real life? Like, is is this happening before my eyes? And it is. It's happening. And so I have to go back to that quiet place and just let the, I just got to process with the father. I just got to give him all the craziness. And then I need him to download fresh motivation for his church and his people and what he wants to do in the earth because God's still at work. He's still at work. He wants to do so much in the lives of people. He he wants people to get saved. He wants people to be healed. He wants to perform miracles. But more importantly, he wants to have these intimate relationships with each and every one of us if we say yes. And so keeping that as my compass and that's my place every single day is just getting that motivation from the heart of God, fresh daily bread. That's good. So... That's motivating you, and I know that in the past, you know, we've been the kind of people that have, you know, attended conferences and, you know, read all these, you know, church leadership books and, you know, tried to, you know, stay current with some of the trends that are seeing a lot of success, and I know that I've seen in your life, you know, kind of that waning a little bit as you've been going, you know, as you just said, into a a more just purely spiritual route how, how did that journey for you take place where you kind of slowly moved away from kind of like looking at the latest and greatest into really, you know, what matters? Honestly, it, it has been just getting rooted in the word, just reading the word and letting the Holy Spirit be my teacher in this season. And when I'm just reading the word, and I'm just looking at the the model that Jesus gave us. We've made things way more complex than necessary. We have started so many different types of programs and strategies. And Jesus, I mean, we were just reading this this morning together in Mark chapter 6. And Jesus is just giving some very, very, very simple instruction when they go out to minister. And he's saying, you don't take anything with you. He gives them instruction on how you stay 
and the message that you share, which is to call people to repentance. And then he understands that there are going to be some that reject this message. And he just encourages them and says, when you leave that town, you shake the dust off your sandals as a sign that, hey, you've done your job. And now you move on, you go to the next town. And so the more that I just look at what Jesus instructed us to do, he's simplifying ministry for us. And it's all about people and people, they don't need all the lights. They don't need all the smoke. They don't need entertaining programs. They need the presence of God. They need the word of God. They need someone delivering that word, bringing that truth. And that is to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what does it mean for you to preach a message of repentance in 2022? I mean, what what kind of thoughts are filling your mind as you're preparing to speak and you're preparing to deliver you know, content to people? I mean, wh- what does that really look like? You know, what I would just encourage pastors and spiritual leaders is in this day is you need to let God give you some courage. When you're developing the teaching and you're ready to bring the truth on Sunday or in your small groups, you're going to need the courage that comes from being rooted in the word because almost everything that we're teaching now is so unpopular and you'll be canceled in a heartbeat. And you have to be willing to say no matter what, I am going to be a person that brings the truth. And so as I'm studying, as I'm preparing, you know, I'm trying to be led by the father in my notes and, and, and just buckle down and get ready that people will reject this. And once we, we are delivered from the fear of man, you guys even said that in another uh, podcast uh, a few weeks back. And that was just such a powerful, a powerful statement of being delivered from the fear of man so that we can obey God. And I believe that if we increase in our fear of the Lord, then we're going to be able to obey no matter what. And so we've been saying things. We've been talking about marriage and marriages between a man and a woman. You can't say that stuff right now and not risk people taking offense at you and just recognizing that God's with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And so just keep on bringing the truth. I love what you said uh, that people are going to find your message unpopular. And do you think that there is a temptation for pastors to shy away from preaching more unpopular messages and kind of sticking to things that we know this is going to be easily said. Is, is there a temptation to do that? And if so, how are you able to overcome that temptation? What, what kind of thoughts are you feeding your mind that are helping you go the direction of, I don't care what people think, I care what God is telling me to do. Yeah, I, I, I definitely am in the phase of all I care about is pleasing the Father. I, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant at the end of my life when I stand before him. And I'm not going to be answering to all these people that might take offense at me bringing the truth. I care more about pleasing him than being popular to man. And here's here's one thing that we have to remember as pastors and shepherds and spiritual leaders. Remember what your job is. Remember what your role is. And and this is to help the souls be saved. And so you got to get past yeah, they might they might take offense at it because the gospel's offensive. 
that's not on me. That's the word. And so I don't have to carry around this personal responsibility of who I'm going to please. Listen, you just have to settle it. Jesus, that's why he's my model. He did not care who got offended at him or who's who would you got disappointed? He was okay with disappointing people. And he kept repeating, Hey, what you can expect out of me is for me to do the will of the father. That's why he sent me. I'm here to please him, not you. And so even if you say, well, Jesus, if you were here, this wouldn't, you know, he didn't care. He was okay with being unpopular, unliked because he understood what his role was. So remember that. That's good. So what have you learned about truth in an age of misinformation, disinformation, fact-checking, and all of the other things. I mean, it seems like there's there's been a shift, or at least in me, maybe it's been in me, I've, I've felt a shift. But is there a shift right now in the way that culture is perceiving truth in an age of misinformation, disinformation, fact-checking? I mean, the whole lot. Is it, what, Tell us about truth and your take on truth. There is so much out there that's coming at us. And I realized for a little while there, I was getting pretty consumed by it all. And it wasn't doing, it was not good for my heart. It was not good for my spirit. And I realized that I have to very, very carefully limit how much of that stuff that I'm downloading and processing and make sure that I have enough of the word filling me back up that truth, because truth is what grounds us. Truth is our rock and our foundation. And when things are getting crazy out there and there's all kinds of lies and deception and things that we don't even know about, I go back to the word and I say, okay, I know that this can be my anchor. That's good. So, um, how do you adopt or adapt ministry since truth has become so rare? I mean, how are, how are you adapting ministry to this area when, when really truth is becoming so rare? It feels like there has to be an intentional shift on the part of spiritual leaders in order to really get to that point where people who are inundated every single day with all of this lies lies lies. (laughs) it's just lies it's just lies how how do you how do you cut through that without just turning people away simply because they're just so plugged into this matrix of lies you know i i am trying to figure out what are my convictions between because you know people have different convictions and the father does a different work for one someone might be convicted about this and for someone else they might be convicted about this and I'm like father what are my convictions between you and I and I'm feel and I this is going to be okay I, I'm just going to say it I'm convicted about wearing a mask okay I'm convicted about it because I want to breathe the fresh air that God has created and I want to go into a store and breathe my air without something covering me. And so that's one of the ways that I model truth for people. And that's very difficult because they have successfully caused people to think that if you don't wear a mask, you're selfish. So I was just at a meeting at our local library just, just now, just came back from it. And out of the eight people in the room, I was the only person that was not wearing a mask. Yep. Nobody said anything. One guy next to me is wearing two masks. Yeah. And the medical science is proving that these masks are not doing anything to prevent transmission and stuff, but people are kind of like adapted to it. And so 
I think that's one area where you could just kind of take a stand yeah. and 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 just kind of push forward and say, people, people, yeah. people, people, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? I hope that me not wearing a mask, you not wearing a mask can help people just take a step back and maybe scratch your head a little bit and say, well, why are they not wearing a mask? You know what I mean? Because the narrative is if you don't wear a mask, you're selfish and you don't care about grandmas. That's what they're saying about people like us. And I'm saying, you can't tell me what God has convicted me about. And I need to be able to say, the truth is, is that I am a disciple of Jesus. And if Jesus went around and people just touched the hem of his garment and he was healed, that's the type of authority I want to be walking in. And that's the authority he has given us. All authority in heaven and on earth was given to him. And then he passed it on to us. So I'm not going to walk around avoiding a virus. I'm going to walk around with the authority and truth that's been given to me through Christ. So you're saying that one way that you are helping your people, I say your people, the people that you are surrounding yourself with, live in truth is by just saying, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna be true all the time. I, I got a book right here on my shelf. It's by Rod Draher. It's called Live Not By Lies. Mm-hmm. And I think I've mentioned it before in the podcast, yeah. but it's so good because he's teaching you how to dissent against the government, against unlawful, unconstitutional, just things that just go against your own conscience and just say, hey, I'm a free person and I don't have to do this. But he's saying in a Christian way, you have a responsibility not to live by lies because yeah. authoritarian governments in the past have have always taken away power from people by getting a large part of the population to just say, hey, we consent, we, we comply, we're just going to go along with it. And then it just kind of squashes the rest of the people. I'm not saying that we're necessarily ha- headed towards an author- authoritarian government, but coming from Georgia and moving to Illinois, which is what we've done five years ago, one of the biggest changes, because some of our listeners may not be in a in a state like Illinois that has such heavy restrictions. I mean, right. we're still, as of February the 22nd, still under a statewide mask mandate for indoors. And, and it's, it's, it's bizarre because it's like, we're two years into this. We've got so much data now that we can study, but yeah. because people have gotten into this routine. So I think that you're onto something about living in truth, but not wearing a mask. Cause I think it's just so important to do that. Yeah. And nobody's, nobody's taking a stand right now. It's such a rarity. And, and I, what I realize is, is people that wear masks, most of them that are wearing the mask don't necessarily believe that it's effective. They're just doing it because that's what everybody does. And they don't want to be that person that says, I'm going to stand against this because it's hard. It's hard to be that person. And I've been kicked out multiple places, but there have been many places that are, that welcome my business and let me shop in peace and don't try to force me to wear a mask. So you've been kicked out. Now, are you, are you a secret Karen on the side? No, not at all. I try to be <laughs> here. And here's where, this is where it, because it, it, I, I want to let my character and my, my, the fruit of the spirit show people when they see me, because I'm, I'm without a mask. 
that I'm, I'm actually a very kind person. So I talk to people, you know, if, if I notice that they're trying to, you know, social distance, I will not come anywhere near them. I will respect their boundaries, but I'm talking to the, the, the employees at Marshall's and, you know, when I go shopping, when I go to Meyer and like, I go to these different places, Aldi, I'm talking to everybody and I'm, I'm, I'm very pleasant. I'm like, have a great day. How are you doing? And so people, they're going to have to you know, question the narrative when they say, oh, a person that doesn't wear a mask is selfish, yet right before my eyes is this person who shows that she actually cares about what's going on in my day. So I think that that is something that we can remember when we have to fight through, oh, what do people think of me? And just push past it and just let the the fruit of the spirit um, kind of come forth. I actually had a crazy experience uh, at our kids' volleyball practice and you know, we, me and you were taking turns bringing them. So it was my night and I went in there. You had gone the, the week before with no mask. They're the only kids with no mask. So I go in there, no mask. And, and, you know, I really try to, um, give people their space because I understand people are scared. I get that. And I, I, I want to respect people. And so I'm sitting on the bleachers. I'm planning to work. I'm tucked away. No one knows that, you know, besides the people that are right there, um, know that I'm there without a mask and I'm just minding my business. And I noticed this, this girl is, you know, to the, to the left of me, um, you know, three seats in front and she keeps scooching away. And I just, I thought, no, maybe you're just paranoid, but no, she's like, she's like using her, her shoulder to like scooch away, you know? And eventually she got up and left and I was like, I, I, I still think I'm being paranoid. She comes back and I kid you not, two minutes later, one of their employees came with a box of masks and was like, would you like a mask, miss? And I was like, oh, no, thank you. Thank you, though. And, like, she was, she kind of just stopped and stood because she was confused as to why I didn't just comply and put the mask on. So she left. Two minutes later, a man comes over, walks up the, the bleachers. I'm like, please, please, please. I'm just studying on my laptop. Please don't talk to me. Please don't talk. Sure enough, he's like, ma'am. According to the mandates, you're going to need to wear a mask. And I'm just like, you know, like a mandate is not a law, right? Like, and he's like, I'm so sorry. And he just repeats the narrative. He doesn't care. He's not trying to have a conversation with me. And so I said, so you're kicking me out. And he's like, if you're not going to wear a mask, you, have, you can't be in here. And so I was like, okay. So I packed up my stuff. I went and got, I went on the, the, the court and I told the kids, hey, I am getting kicked out because I'm not putting on a mask. I said, I'm so, so sorry. I'll be right out those doors. I will be ready to greet you. Um, I'll be watching them like a hawk, finish up, finish strong. So I went way outside and I was cold and I felt reported on. I felt like someone had reported. Those employees did not see me and know that I was there. There was no way you could have known I was there unless that someone said, hey, there's someone without a mask on, come handle this problem. And it was just, I'm like, so that's where we're at. We are now reporting our fellow citizens because they're not wearing a mask. And this is important as spiritual leaders. This is important. This is important that you think about these things. In, in his book, Live Not By Lies, Rod Dreher, he says that he interviewed people who came out of these uh, Eastern European countries, out of socialists, so, you know, countries that when communism fell, they were able to, you know, go and, you know, have interviews with these Christians. And the Christians who were there, which were not very many, they said that before all of the government overreach and all the freedom was taken away, before all that took place, there was a priest 
who was preaching to stand against these things that this corrupt government's mm-hmm. doing because he knows that where it goes is going to take away people's freedom. Yep. It's going to take away specifically religious freedom, mm. and it's going to outlaw the preaching of the gospel, and that's exactly what happened. And this priest warned him. Yeah. And I feel like there are voices, hopefully our voice is one, that are that are being prophetic right now yeah. and seeing the signs of the time, being spiritually perceptive, being like uh, Esther uh, and, and saying, for such a time as this, I've been brought to this place. And yes. I love what Mordecai said to Esther. He said, listen, if you don't do anything, right. how do you know that disaster is not going to overtake you as well as all of the other Jews that are living in the city? And I feel like that's the the heart of God right now for spiritual leaders is to say, wake up and look around at what's happening. Look at what's happening in Canada right now. Look at what's happening in Australia. Look at these other places that are supposedly democracies, supposedly free countries. Mm. And the government is doing this. I saw a funniest thing. It was an interview with Pitbull, okay? So, I mean, obviously not the Christian example that we're (laughs) holding up, but what he said was, he said, I bet you that uh, Fidel Castro is sitting there in his grave saying, all it took was a virus Mm. to take away all that freedom? It took him... X amount of years and taking away freedom little bit by little bit by little bit to establish this dictatorship that he had for so many years. Mm. And Pitbull is perceptive enough because he's from Cuba and he's like, look, guys, I've seen it. And the government right now is starting to do the very things Mm. that was happening in the place that I left. And we can't ever let that happen. And I'm saying, spiritual leaders, are we going to let Pitbull? Come on now. Be more perceptive about what's happening than the, the church? So I, I think that's a big area, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. I want to kind of turn and pivot just a little bit. Uh, you're the very first woman that we've had as a guest on the podcast, and so welcome to Thanks. all of the ladies. We got somebody here for <laughs> you. But share with us about being a woman pastor. I, I mean, how how has, has your experience been? What is your current experience? And what kinds of thoughts are you feeding your mind that's giving you the ability to stand against really those spiritual attacks that try to pull you out from what God's called you to do? You know, church people can be some of the most hurtful people. Say that. And I, you know, David, he said this, I mean, he's like, this wasn't my enemy. This was my brother that hurt me. And there is this level of betrayal that comes from church people when they step outside of the will of God and outside of how to handle conflict. And, and, you know, I know people are messy. It's, there's no clean cut way to do relationships because people are people and we all have our issues. All of us have some level of dysfunction that we bring to the table. And that's why we're all on a healing journey. And we very much need to keep putting ourselves in the hands of the father so that he can heal that. The problem is is that some people are unwilling to do that. And what they end up doing is they end up projecting their insecurities on a, onto other people. And instead of just having a healthy relationship and just, you know, encouraging one another, there's, I think you've even, I don't even know if you've mentioned it on this podcast, but you've mentioned this phrase and I don't know who came up with it, but in the church there's well-intentioned dragons. And, you know, as a woman, 
our staff is a little bit different because we have a lot of females and we have a lot of female pastors. And so our staff is quite the rarity, I would say. Uh, and I think that's just the anointing that comes from, you know, our specific style of leadership. But, you know, as a woman, you just have to, you, I deal with insecurities that you don't deal with. I process them out loud and you're just like, wow, I don't, I don't deal with that. And it, it's been a journey to once again, give those to the father and let him heal what only he can heal. You can't, you can't go inside and, and heal those places, but he can. And so what you have to do, cause there have been, there have been quite a few people that God has allowed to speak in my life to try to tear me down, to try to dis- discourage me from fulfilling this call. And, you know, at the beginning, I just want to cry. I just want to run. I just want to quit. And I want to encourage women right now to not. Don't run away. Don't quit. Don't let the enemy have a foothold in your life because this so-and-so said this discouraging thing because that was on them, not on you. Now, receive honest, healthy feedback from healthy individuals so that we can continue to grow and lead effectively and efficiently. And listen, women, you have pressures that men don't have. We, we just fulfill so many different types of roles. And I mean, we were even talking about this this morning, how much like there's way more demands on my life than there are yours. And I don't know how much of that is a a female nature. Women just tend to share everything. Um, And that men just don't, they just don't do that, you know? And so, I don't know. I just want to encourage the women to keep leading. But as you're leading, stay rooted in the word and stay in the Father's presence. That's, stay stay at the feet of Jesus. Just just continue to have a merry spirit because that's the only way that you're going to have the spiritual fortitude to endure painful trials. And sometimes the the enemy will use a person in the church. And I'm just saying, don't quit. Don't, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel because someone else is not healed because the father wants to do mighty works in and through you and you are called. So that's a good, good, encouraging word. Okay. We're going to bring this to a wrap, but I've got one more, maybe the most important question yet. You have time with a room full of spiritual leaders and pastors and you're ready to talk to them about 2022 about what God is doing in the earth today and you get to just share whatever's on your heart pass it on to us stand for truth stand for truth and model it and disciple your church to stand for truth help them recognize they need to read the word I I mean I'm just realizing a lot of people don't read the word. They're not reading the word. And it, that would solve so many issues if they would just read the word. And so that's, that, that's, that's it. Call your people to read the word. Preach the truth on Sunday. Preach the word, regardless of how unpopular it is, regardless of what culture says. Preach the truth, repentance, and Jesus. Preach that and teach your small group leaders and all of your dream team people or all your leaders. Just tell them, read the word. Go home to your families and read the word. Teach your kids how to read the word. Do it together. Do it separately. I it just, just like in the Old Testament, talk about it when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you leave, when you go. The word of God, let, do not let the, the, this book of the law depart from your mouth you know, and, and that's, that's what's going to keep us and hold us and strengthen us and encourage us. And so just keep preaching the truth and, and encourage others to do the same. Now, you said on Sunday in your message, you said, I'd love to tell you that things are going to get better, but 
I've read the end of the book, and things are going to get a lot worse. You quoted a verse from, I believe it was Luke 21. Luke 26. Luke 26. There you go. And... Uh, you, or six twenty six something I don't know. You I, said you said that the scripture says that look up when you see these things happening. Yep. Look up, strengthen yourself. Look up, strengthen your sit up your shoulders, whatever yep. it was, and look up. Yep. For for your redemption is drawing near. Yes. So w- with that kind of idea, standing for truth and preparing the saints to do what God has called them to do. What, what are you telling people? Because you said to people, I'd love to tell you it's going to get better, but it's actually going to get worse. Yeah. So, so knowing that piece of information, does that affect your ability to, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry? Because what if we do go into a culture where it becomes illegal to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? What what are we going to do, and, and, and how do you see equipping the church to look in those days? Well, I was really calling the church to a time where they let God give them courage. We, if we can't be courageous right now, we will not be able to have courage when things start getting really, really bad and ugly. And we've got to know how to stand right now, regardless of what people think of us or what they'll do to us. Because the disciples, they lost their lives for the sake of the gospel. We've got people that don't have the courage to take off their mask because they're, they care but about what people think of them. And I'm saying we've got to now have courage because it's about to get worse. And if the church does not have courage, the church won't be who they were called to be, the ecclesia, to go into the earth and be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And if we're not doing what we're called to do and, 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 and walking in courage— then I just, I, we need to walk in that power and that truth and, and be the answer in this crazy world. Pitbull doesn't need to be the answer. We're supposed to be the answer. Jesus is the answer. Yes, yes, yes. Us, I mean, yes, Jesus for sure. But he sent us out into the earth with his name and his gospel. And that's what we're supposed to do. So, yeah, that's that's we need courage. So if I'm going to summarize everything that we've talked about today, I'm I'm feeling like what you're saying is that there if you were giving a checkup to the church right now, the checkup would be, "Ooh, we we need to have a, a second meeting here cuz we need to discuss what we found on the x-ray here. We need to discuss what we found on this cat scan because it looks like there's a potential problem and that problem is that we are not equipping the church to be as courageous and bold as we need to. I love when the in the book of Acts, when the church began to pray at, at for boldness, and then they went and they took a bold stand. They got thrown into prison. Yeah. They prayed for Peter. He got out of prison. Yep. And then it says that they prayed for more courage. They prayed for more boldness. Mm, so I feel good. like that's kind of where we're at is we're in a place where we get, we need more courage, more God. Cou- we need yes, more boldness. Yes. And we got to equip the church. You got to look different than the world. Yes, and, yes. And, and if, if, if things don't make sense that the world's doing two years into a pandemic, uh, I heard one guy say, and he I thought it was so good. He said, as soon as the governmental leaders who were telling you stay inside, keep your distance, don't stop the spread of this virus. There's a pandemic, and that's the word they use. There's a pandemic. Well, go 
define the word pandemic for me. It's it's like a disease that is like killing most of the population kind of thing, and we got to really do something about it. Well, what what we found is that in June of 2020, those same people were saying, "Stay at home, don't do anything, sanitize your packages that come in the mail." They they said. Take to the streets and let's let's make our voice heard. And and I'm not at all speaking about the cause, okay? Uh, George Floyd and the protests and all that kind of stuff. I'm not getting into any of that right here. I don't want you to hear any of that. What I want you to hear is, and this is what he said. He said, as soon as those leaders said, go out, assemble yourselves, make your voice heard. He said, pandemic is over. Yes. He said, there's still a virus and we still got to figure out how to, you know, get rid of it and make people stop getting to the hospital and dying and all that kind of stuff. But he said the pandemic, by definition, the word pandemic, you can't be a governmental leader who's saying, I care about your health and safety. Oh, go go to the streets, take to the streets, do this thing, and still say there's a pandemic. Because if there's truly a pandemic, then you would not tell people to go assemble yourselves. Exactly. You just wouldn't do it. And so he said, for me, he said, in that moment, immediately, I was like, pandemic is over. With this kind of critical thinking as spiritual leaders, we've got to pray. We've got to ask ourselves if deception is so rampant in the culture right now and becoming the norm, how are we going to equip our people so that they can walk in truth? Mm. And that's really the heart of what I feel like we're all about right now, which is the real reason that Brian and I started this podcast is because we were just so moved by the level of deception that's been creeping into the church. We just got to say, okay, they believe everything that's said. Yeah. People believe everything that is said. People are not reading the word of God for themselves. We've got to do something. It's an urgent moment. Yes. For such a time as this. Pastor Bianca Stingle, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. It has been an honor to have you. Hey, to every listener, we love you guys. Have a great day.